Welcome back to Sin Student Ministries Anchor Podcast. Today we wrap up 2 Thessalonians with chapter 3. It reads, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored, as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you're doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate For even when you were with us, we would give you this command, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy buddies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. All right, Kyle, today we wrap up chapter 3 and 2 Thessalonians and really all of Paul's conversations that we have in Scripture for us with the Thessalonian believers. And as he does so, we're viewing this in those three C's that we've developed. And so today's C is this concept of concern. In the same way that we saw in 1 Thessalonians, Paul develops this concern for these people, how he wants to instruct, how he wants to grow them, how he wants them to be developed and grown and matured in the process of sanctification. And so, Kyle, allow us to focus in on one big aspect of that today. What is he charging the Thessalonian believers with, and how can we imitate their faith, as Paul calls us to imitate his as well? Yes, I love that you talked about faith, because if you look at just verse 3 right away, but the Lord is faithful, and he will establish you and guard you against the evil one. So the Lord is faithful, but they have to trust and put their faith in the Lord to help them endure through this. And that can look in many different ways. You know, they're they're struggling with persecution, they're emotional, I mean, they're believing all kinds of things. And Paul sees this as Paul sees this as idleness because the people are deciding not to work. Oh, the Lord's coming back. I don't need to work. Why would I need to do that? You know, or it could also be an issue of Roman patronage. They are being like clients or assistants to the wealthy, and the wealthy is asking them to do things that are not good. You know, so he's charging them to work. You need to be working hard because he was working hard. Paul, when he was there, what was he doing? He was working hard labor. Like, he was toil. That's a that's a big word, and it's different than labor because it's something that is strenuous on the body. And so he was providing for himself, and he, he just says it just plainly in verse 10, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Like, okay, Lee, you're not going to work? All right, no supper for you tonight. Like, that's literally what he's telling him. 
He's giving the same example in this letter as he does before of I'm going to tell you this honestly because I care for you. And I know that the Lord is faithful. You just need to endure it. And that's been a lot of Paul's argument. Hey, go back to what I told you when I was there. Don't be worried about these other things that you're hearing that people are saying that I'm saying. You heard and you saw me eye to eye, ear to ear here in this conversation. You saw what was happening. You heard the commands. Live in light of those or these letters that I've given you, not these other things that are going around. Because a big part of this, I want to draw our attention to verse 13 and that. It's not easy to do that. Verse 13 says, do not grow weary in doing good. You know what that probably means? Some of them were probably growing weary because it's so hard in these watching the people in their midst who are struggling with these things, who are either backing out and stopping to work to wait for the Lord, or they're getting caught up in the world system because their faith is not growing in those times. And that's what Paul is concerned about, is their sanctification. How can we continuously grow if we're pulling ourselves away from God's word? The answer is we can't. Those vines, those fruits are going to start falling off because they're not connected to the source. They're not connected to the gospel. They don't have the nutrients, the nourishment that they need because we are not cultivating the disciplines that we need if we're falling into this conflict between us and the world systems or us and our own beliefs that are erroneous and are taking us away from the heart of the gospel. But really, As we think about that, Paul's biggest ask of the Thessalonians here and his expression of concern is to allow the Lord's work to take place in their life. Verse 3, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish and he will guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. So may the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. That steadfastness, the faithfulness of God. It will continue to do what God has desired it to do in your life as you give him that opportunity to have full reign over your hearts in your life as you walk through those things. So hopefully that's something that encourages our hearts today and lets us understand, yeah, there might be some struggles along the way. There might be difficulty, hardships. Paul's talked about those things. But the faithfulness of God continues in our life as he works in and through our midst for the expansion of the gospel. But I do want to just draw our attention down here to verse 14. Seems like Paul gets into um, maybe what some people might call like a grumpy old man stance rather than the loving, caring concern that we see. How are we supposed to think about something like verse 14 that seems very unloving when we read through it the first time? Well, Lee, let's read it first off. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. It's conviction. And he says this, that's how he's ending the previous letter too in chapter 5. Under oath, read it to everyone. Do this. And here he's like, listen, do this or don't pay attention to that person if they do not. It's because it's so serious that it can come off as rude or, hey, I'm right, you're wrong type thing. But if you just skip a couple of verses down to verse 17, you'll see, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is a sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. 
he's being genuine because he cares. It comes back to that, that first seat. It's comfort. He's wanting to comfort them, but through comfort, he needs to correct them, and he has concern because he cares. Yeah, and go back to that passage that talked about that comfort. The comfort was shown against the judgment. The most loving thing to do for this person who has the opportunity to hear God's word and chooses not to respond is to show them the error of their ways. If they just allow them to continuously live in that, that's not really loving because they're not growing. They're not truly connected to the gospel and what it's happening to do. And not only that, they're probably leading others astray as well. You know, they the different sayings, one rotten apple spoils the whole bunch. If they allow this error to go on uncorrected, it's going to proliferate error within their midst. So they need to deal with that. They need to let this person know that the most loving thing to do is actually to have nothing to do with them. Warn them. Don't hate them. That's what verse 15 is telling us. It's not just hate this person and cast them out and never do anything with them, but warn him as a brother. Do that because you then have the opportunity to redeem them to work through that process, to allow them to see the need for repentance, correction, bringing back to the truth of the gospel, that it would have a full, firm foundation in their life and would develop as God sees it fit. But it's one of those things that's hard, you know? It's hard to correct other people. It's hard to deal with different situations when we tell somebody that there's an error of their ways. But that's the same type of thing that we're called to do with the gospel, to lovingly correct them. And it'd be different here. We're not saying, hey, have nothing to do with people who are lost in your life. But hey, don't give them a stronghold in your life. Don't give them the ability to be the biggest voices in your life if they're not founded in the gospel. But warn them like a brother who loves them, who cares for them. Don't regard them as an enemy. Don't hate them. Don't don't not show them love, but treat them in such a way that they understand, yeah, I love you, but you really are missing out on some of the biggest things in your life because you haven't yielded to the power of the gospel and the fullness of the gospel, how it applies to all aspects of your life. So the real question it asks us is what is it that the focus of our life is? How are we living out the gospel? Anything else you'd like to add here, Kyle? Yeah, Lee, to kind of sum up this whole thought, there's a quote, it says, what you hope for shapes what you live for. So if you're hoping for Christ, then you're going to live for Christ and you're going to find security in him. But if you're just hoping for safety when the end times come, when the evil one comes, then you're going to live in fear and concern. So really just trying to wrap up both of these letters, it's really just a thought of, am I living for Christ at every level? Or am I living for safety? And so I'm actually living in fear. And that's really good for us to think about here, Kyle, because you might say at first thought, hey, those things aren't too far off. Because Christ gives us our safety and our assurance. But if you elevate that and put it in the wrong place, we're going back to what we've seen in this letter. Something's taken, it's diverted from the path of truth, and it becomes an issue for the people. 
We have to have the right priorities. We have to have the right focus. And now we have some tools to hopefully be able to use those in our life to discern how the gospel is creating fruit, how the gospel is being cultivated in our lives. So hopefully we can rest in those today, that we can follow this pattern of weeding out these erroneous or false ideas and living in light of the gospel each day, keeping our eyes focused on the author and perfecter of our faith in Jesus Christ. And so as you do that today, as you walk through that today, know you are loved. You're-